conservation of energy has nothing to do with potential energy. It pertains strictly to kinetic energy, the energy that is stable but and expressed. It's in expressed form. But energy that is not in expressed form, namely potential energy, such as reactants, which some people call reactive power, even though it has nothing to do with power except in the potential sense of the word, goes along or parallels, supports or confirms, reaffirms Emily Noether's theorem on the conservation of energy in which it is time-dependent. In other words, frequency is its own time clock when we're dealing with the potential energy of reactants. Because I know when I take a circuit under simulation and raise its frequency high enough, it can blow up in my face. I won't be able to regulate it. It'll blow up instantaneously. Yet, if I take it down too slow a frequency, I, this circuit will not overcome entropy and will not give me any overunity whatsoever. It'll sit there comatose with a tiny flicker of energy, kinetic energy, and very little at that, like hardly perceptible. Yet it'll be there, but not enough to write home about, so to speak. So frequency matters because within that window of overunity, if I vary the frequency, if I up it, if I increase the frequency, it'll reach, uh, uh, let's say, 100,000 watts more quickly than if I lower the frequency. So the frequency is the rate at which the reactance occurs. And if the reactance is building on reactance, at a high, it'll create a hyperbolic curve of the limited energy that's in the system. In fact, so limited that we're losing the energy due to entropy, you know, losses, inefficiencies. But the reactance hyperbolics at an exponential rate. It can even go vertical at one point. But before it does that, it hyperbolics because it's compounding itself. It's like compounding interest. Interest on interest is interest squared. And if you do it again, it's interest cubed. And that's literally what happens with reactants in an overunity circuit. And why we get the appearance of, en of energy escalating its amplitude at a hyperbolic curve. Because it's not really increasing at a hyperbolic curve. It's merely the reactance which signifies the utilization of energy at a hyperbolic curve. And that utilization of energy is efficiency, what we normally call efficiency in the humdrum world of human engineering. But when we get over to electrical engineering, we call it reactance. But from the humanistic standpoint, it's efficiency. It's the same energy, actually less, because we've lost it due to inefficiencies and entropy and whatnot, leakages. And we've also converted it into light or heat or uh, mechanical motion, whatever. But we still have some. We'll always have some. We'll never have zero. And so long as we have some, which is guaranteed, all we have to do is raise our efficiency, raise the compounding of reactants at a rate which surpasses our losses. And that will give us the appearance for all intents and purposes, very significant phrase, for all intents and purposes, it'll give us the appearance 
of energy greater output than what was input, even though that's not the case, because we're utilizing it more efficiently. We could be recycling it. There are three different ways of reactants giving us a boon of energy, and recycling is one of them, but it's only one. There's two others. Be that as it may, it's the reactants that regulates the expenditure of energy to make it so efficient that we overcome our entropy, we overcome our losses, and thus make it look like we've defied conservation of energy, if indeed conservation of energy is a law. But it only pertains to kinetic energy. It has nothing to do with potential energy, which skews the whole overall picture. The, the holistic view of the situation gets skewed for all intents and purposes. And that's a practical consideration. It's not like I'm mincing words. It's a practical consideration. I mean, if you can literally somehow multiply the quarterback and make a hundred of him, then you've won the game, hands down. You could lose 99 and still one of them gets to the field goal. And that's all that counts. When it comes to overunity, that's all that counts is winning the, the, the goal at the end, which is more energy out than in, even though it doesn't really happen. But if we can make it, if we can make it work, if we can get that much work out of a continually diminishing quantity of energy, if we can continue to get more work out of it than we did before, making it appear as if energy sprung up out of nowhere, when in fact all we did was make the energy work less hard and do and, and produce more results and of course that's that defies what conservation is predicated on that everything is solid and stable and non-changing but reactants changes all of that because we can literally get more luminosity out of less energy than what we had when we started with all because of reactants not while we are converting the electrical energy into luminosity, but prior to that. Because it's the electricity that is so flexible because it's not a singularity. It's made up of multiple ingredients. All of them are reactive components. When Eric Dollar talks about the ingredients of electricity, he's talking about reactants. He's talking about capacitive reactants, inductive reactants, and frequency. He's talking about reactants. He's talking about potential energy. Are the ingredients of what we call electricity, which we should really call kinetic electrical energy, because it's realized, it's, it's manifest, it's something we can use. We can't use potential energy, right? Nobody can use potential energy. But if we can use kinetic energy, fine. But if we can manipulate potential energy before it gets converted into kinetic energy, we're ahead of the game. We're ahead of everybody else who's fumbling around, ignoring the potential for manipulating reactants. Because it's a field of uh, the square root of negative one, we can do whatever we want with it before we square it. There's certain features to electrical engineering, and I don't know all of the specifics, but I can give you one example, and that's the Pythagorean theorem. Whenever you've got a square, an imaginary 
excuse me, whenever you can square a complex value of reactive power, namely a mixture of real power and reactive power, and if the real component of that complex number is very small because we input very little energy into the system, while, in, while we do that, we fail to repress the squaring of an ima the imaginary component that liberates that can, um, potential energy into negative watts, into the generation of power. We've literally generated power in the course of doing our computations to figure out what's going on. Whether the simulator does it or we do it, somebody has to do it to plan ahead. You know, like building a bridge, uh, a suspension bridge. We've got to plan ahead, and you've got to use equations to do that. Whether you use a simulator or not, or whether you double-check uh, the simulator's results with your own computation doesn't really make any difference. At some point, we're going to have to do math in order to engineer the outcome of running a circuit. And at some point, com the complex value of reactive power is going to get squared. But nobody stops to think about the assumption, and it is an assumption, that we have to give the total amount of energy to the load or else the load will not run. That is wrong. That's false. That's only if we ignore the, the value of the manipulatability of potential electrical energy by manipulating reactants. We, we overlook that. But it only works if we feed the circuit far less kinetic energy than what it requires to run the load. That's the only, that's one of the requirements, but if, if we don't follow that requirement, nothing else will fly and we might as well forget about it. This whole discussion falls flat and it lands in your court and stays there. That's why you're so stubborn with your statement, oh, conservation of energy is a law all the time, because you're assuming that the load has to be supplied with the full quantity plus extra to cover losses of kinetic energy or else it will not operate. The appliance will not operate. We won't get the light or the heat sufficiently to what we had engineered for. But that's only one reality. The other reality is that we use reactants, the manipulatability of reactants of potential kinetic energy namely reactants or reactive power, to modify our use of whatever paucity, whatever scarcity of kinetic energy is in the system. But we put that scarcity in there on purpose so that we can manipulate it. We cannot manipulate it if we put in the full amount or even half or even 25 or 10 percent or even 1 percent. It takes nanowatts or picowatts to get the results I've seen happen. You can't do it any higher, unless, except under very rare circumstances, you might be able to go higher than nanowatts. But it's usually in, and it's a window. You can't go too low either. But it's a window of opportunity that electrical engineers overlook, thinking what, how smart boys they are, because, yeah, they're true, but only in, in the terms of tunnel vision, only in terms of what they've been trained to think in terms of. Simulators are not hypothetical instruments. They're theoretical instruments. They use known mathematical relationships of electrical engineering that have withstood this, 
the test of a century at least, dating back to at least Oliver Heaviside. He couldn't have solved the transatlantic problem without the help of math, and he's not an electrical engineer, he's a mathematician. So his math solved the problem plus his outlook, his way of solving the problem, because he knew it could be solved and the approach that he took. He was thorough. He analyzed it just like um, Steinmetz. Steinmetz would thoroughly analyze the situation before coming up with a solution. Well, I use trial and error on the simulator because I don't know what I'm doing in the beginning. But I've learned certain principles since then and using an extreme scarcity of input wattage is crucial. It doesn't have to be a sine wave, doesn't have to be DC, but it pretty much has to be one or the other. It can't be any other waveform for input. That's the other thing I've noticed, but that's a minor detail in a sense. The main thing is it has to be a scarcity of energy or else reactance will not compound itself on top of reactance and give us a hyperbolic shifting of reactants causing the energy to appear to be doing that when in fact it's the reactants doing that. In, uh, in, in the primary sense, having an impact on our perception of the energy, making it look like the energy is doing that when it's really the reactants that's doing that to our perception of the energy. Let's put it that way. So we think of capacitors and coils as containers, but they're more than that. They're prisms, they're telescopes, they're, they are glass lenses. They cause us to look at energy and evaluate it based on what we see. But when I construct an over-unity circuit, I'm putting in reactances that changes our perception of how much energy is actually there. We know how much we put there. In many of my circuits, I don't have an input of power. I pre-charge one or two capacitors with a microvolt of charge. And they may be low capacitances, like in the femto range, or they may be in the high range, but regardless, I put in that much charge, it may, no more than maybe a millivolt, but usually a microvolt, sometimes a femtovolt, somewhere in that ballpark. I can go as high as maybe 10 volts maximum, but I don't like to go there because I run the risk of the circuit not giving me the compounding of reactants. So I usually like to use a microvolt as a default condition and then see afterwards, once I've constructed the circuit, how I can make it more efficient. Can I raise it? Can I lower it? Whatever. Or does it not change anything? Fine. If it doesn't change anything, that's a very interesting consideration in which the input energy has no causal direct relationship with the output energy. It's the reactants getting in the way, changing the whole perception of what the energy is doing. The fact that we're getting 100,000 watts out of a micro, out of a nanowatt or a picowatt of input is changing our perception of the energy usage, the use of that energy. The circuit is doing that. It's changing our perception. It's changing its perception. It's changing its utilization. Now, true, granted, it's theory. And usually physical embodiments never reach their theoretical potential. But it indicates a line of discovery that nobody pursues. Even if I were 10% right, it would be worth something because we could shrink all of our solar farms, our wind farms, our manure plants, bio plants, all of them by 10% and get the same amount of energy output. That's a huge argument 
by the conservatives. Oh, we need nuclear power plants because we can't do uh, renewables because there's not enough to supply the planet with all the energy it needs. That's that's a very valid argument. But it's overlooking what I've discovered is that reactants changes everything. You can literally use a tiny little solar panel the size of which are are utilized by credit card sized wallet calculators to power a battleship a fully electric powered battleship it because it no longer matters that you have to have the full amount of power to run the battleship all that matters is that you have some and that you have very little of to satisfy that criteria of some it has to be very little some 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 very little in order to manipulate it with the help of reactants or else you're not going to be able to. So this is a criteria that everybody overlooks. The full potential of reactive power is completely overlooked by electrical scientists and physicists alike because they assume, like you do, that energy is all there is to consider and energy out has to equal energy in because it has to be conserved. And I'm telling you, no, it doesn't have to be conserved. It can be reused. Jim Murray and Paul Babcock already demonstrated that with a device that nobody seems to be interested in, in which they swapped the energy. They, they threw it back and forth using switching elements, back and forth between capacitors and I don't know what else. And they ran a 100-watt electric light bulb on far less energy from the wall outlet than it normally takes to run a 100-watt light bulb. I can't remember what the uh, increase was, let's say it was a factor of 15. That, that's a huge uh, increase of, of energy, util, energy efficiency is to get 15 times more work out of a fixed amount of energy than you would if you did not use reactive power, if you just used a flashlight circuit. A flashlight circuit is basically a dumb circuit. And I construct intelligent circuits that, ha that make use of this manipulatability of the elements of electricity because electricity is not a singularity just like the atom democritus thought the atom was indivisible and we found out nope it is divisible well so is electrical energy divisible into components that it turns out are potential energy um, in, um, things items of interest they are not kinetic when they come together, they create kinetic energy that we call electricity. But when taken individually, they are not kinetic at all. And because they're not kinetic, as individual elements or ingredients of electricity, they are fully manipulatable and outside the realm of the conservation of energy because they're not kinetic energy. That's the important word missing from the conservation of energy, conservation of kinetic energy. You can't apply the word conservation to potential energy. It would be a contradiction of terms so conservation has nothing to do with potential energy and it has nothing to do with the ingredients of electricity and w what I do to make it manipulatable is to get the amperage and the voltage out of phase by 180 degrees that's as far apart as you can separate them those fields the capacitive field and the inductive field of a, a, let's say a strip of wire without actually having nothing there but you can have them there, but they are so completely out of phase that you can't even call it electricity anymore. It's so out of phase. And it's not even a waveform. 
it's a dot, a blip, marking the manifestation of, of kinetic amperage or, or kinetic uh, voltage out of phase with each other, or excuse me, <laughs> potential voltage or potential amperage out of phase with each other by 180 degrees, but only for a moment. And I don't even know what the moment duration of that moment is. All I know, it happens only twice during each cycle, once each half cycle. And then it immediately disappears. And then it re reappears again. And then immediately disappears. And the simulator traces it out as a triangle wave. But it's not a triangle wave. It's just data points that are... <laughs> whatever the, I don't know, quantum of time is. But it's literally... You, you, you can't determine what duration that data point is. Because it's, it's, it's like in geometry. It has no dimensions. And yet it's there. Which kind of is an interesting postulate because it's not kinetic energy so it's not there anyway it's postulated to be there because the math works out the century of imaginary of um, electrical engineering engineering testimony to the fact that imaginary numbers do work even though we can't prove them well likewise these data points the simulator can't prove that they exist and I can't prove that anything I've simulated exists because it does not exist in the physical realm. It's postulated to exist in the imaginary realm because of the fact that the amperage and the voltage are out of phase by 180 degrees. So you do have an, an argument to your point of view, but it's a very tunnel vision argument. And you know, if I don't succeed at opening you up to uh, what you've been trained in, that it's actually a fertile field that uh, nobody bothers to mine, M-I-N-E, of what can be mined out of it, um, well, then I've failed. But it won't be the first, and it won't be the last time that I've failed. <laughs> because I can talk till, uh, I could live a thousand years and keep talking, and it doesn't mean I'll uh, obtain any followers. Because it's so outside the realm of what electrical engineers and physicists have been taught. And there's some politics in that, just like the AMA is not a scientific body, it's a trade union, but we make too much out of it because it's got strong ties with governments, so we make too much out of it, as if it's a scientific body, but it's not. It's more political than anything else, but it is a trade union, strictly speaking. Well, the way uh, electrical engineering is taught, it's as if... It's been designed by something similar to a trade union, something that is not a scientific body that has decided what shall be taught. And I'll give you an example. There was this fellow I was arguing with who the argument ended because he insisted that nothing is a scientific fact if it is not commercially viable. And it's been months now since I realized what he was saying. That's fascism. That's the term, the definition of fascism. When commerce beds down and marries science and decides what will be scientific and what will not be scientific based on the viability of commerce for that particular scientific truth or fact. That's literally what the guy was saying, but at the time I couldn't figure out what he was talking about. I mean, it was disgusting, but he wouldn't budge. Just like you're not budging, he wouldn't budge either. And now I've figured him out. And so now I'm not impressed or surprised. I'm not surprised anymore. I, I never was impressed, but I w now I'm not surprised by what he's saying. I was surprised at the time. I was shocked. I was totally shocked. But now I'm not. 
I know exactly what it means. It's called fascism. It's nothing new under the sun. It's just he didn't use the singular term that is applicable to what he was defining, the, the, the concept that he was fleshing out in no uncertain terms. He could have used a single word, but of course he wouldn't because then he could be branded something else or a few other something else's that would not, that would be derogatory, all of them. So he played it safe and didn't give a label and instead defined it. Defined the label that we already know in our vocabulary. Every child knows that, what, what the word fascism implies, something naughty. <laughs> Whether or not they even know the definition doesn't matter. They know it's something naughty. <laughs> so anyway, I, I had to give that example because you have to be careful about people who keep making a statement over and over again as if saying it makes it so. And that is uh, a, t uh, a path of um, enlightenment. That's true. Um, but from my point of view, it's tunnel vision. There are other. There's an, uh, another path to take that is completely the opposite. To the presumption that we have to give the load the full amount of power necessary to power that load in order to make it work, in order to make it operational. Because energy is not... You know, we equate energy with mass, making it, see, implying that conservation of energy is a monopoly, a monopolistic concept, when in fact, we've overlooked reactants. So we say, okay, speed of light is fixed, blah, 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 that's nice, but so what? You know, my time frame that I'm living in and the simulator is living in is fixed, that's true, and the speed of light is fixed, and it's all tied together. But frequency is not. The frequency of, of the process of reactants is not. I can change frequency, I can change capacitance, I can change inductance, and I can change the duration of the simulation runtime. All those four factors, two of time, and one of capacitive reactants, and one of inductive reactants, and I can literally change the outcome. I can make it explode, I can make it go comatose, or I can make it strobe or pulse like a strobe lantern so that it never blows itself up too destructive and I can change the peaks of that strobe. It's, it's quite fascinating how much finesse is possible in the field of reactants that has never been studied by conventional engineers or physicists making over unity a practical affair and putting into question what does conservation of energy actually talk about it's talking about kinetic energy it has nothing to do with potential energy and so we're not really arguing are we we're just not being very clear or i'm not being very clear you're being very simple that's nice but i'm not being very clear in that i'm trying to expand your vision beyond your simplistic view of reality, of electrical reality. And so it's really my fault because it's my job to be clear and I have not been. So it's potential energy that I'm explaining to you, not kinetic. And yet what you're talking about is strictly kinetic and has nothing to do with potential energy. 